golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with the best caddy in Orlando, Will Perry. Hey, my friend. Great to be here, as always. Yes. We've got some special guests tonight. Oh, we've got uh, SRO here in the uh, golf house tonight, uh, as we previewed in our Facebook Live segment of... Very happy to have the folks from Pulse of Orlando in with us tonight. Woohoo! We had such an amazing event a couple of weeks ago at Grand Cypress, our Golf United for Pulse. And uh, we were very happy to present the first of uh, our proceeds to Pulse of Orlando. And uh, very pleased to have the board president, Ali Benitez, with us tonight. And uh, we'll be talking to her in a couple of minutes. But uh, let's chat about the FedEx Cup. We are here, Will. We have finally. We are finally here. The, the culmination fourth, of the season. Fourth week, the Tour Championship. Is it September? Can't believe it. It's almost October. Where did the summer go? It's gone. Where did the I went to the beach. season I go? I went to the beach twice this summer. That was it. Oh my goodness. So what do what are you thinking? The guys in the top five control their destiny. I think it's a crapshoot at this point. There's so I mean you could you could say Rory you could say DJ I mean even a guy out of the top five that I think maybe we can chat about later like with Steve is uh you know Jordan Spieth has has played well here before he won there last year two years ago he had a second place finish he's coming off of I think it's nine straight tournaments where he hasn't missed a cut he's played well in every single um, uh, playoff event and you know Jason Day hasn't won yet. And Rory McIlroy's playing well. So it could be any of these guys. And I think that kind of makes it exciting because it's anybody's game at this point. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Jason Day's back is. We know that he had to pull out uh, and he's had a couple of weeks to rest. So I think that will, you know, that'll be beneficial for him. But, you know, who, who knows? It's, it's, he's got to win it outright. Um, actually, of course, there's so many scenarios, and that's what's so much fun about the FedEx Cup. But for Jason Day, if he wins the Tour Championship, he wins the FedEx Cup. He has a reasonable chance of winning with a second-place finish. He can finish as low as tied for third and still have a mathematical chance. So this is where we start spinning the roulette wheel, getting out all the whiteboards, and uh, crunching the statistics. How would you feel about a guy, you know, I mean, obviously, you can never go wrong with a guy like Jason Day winning the Tour Championship and then the FedEx Cup, but... He hasn't really done anything in the last couple months. You know, I'd I'd rather see a guy who's peaking at the right time kind of take it all. I mean, maybe that's just the traditional sports sports uh fan in me where the you know, the 
the hottest team wins the Super Bowl, the hottest team wins the Stanley Cup or the World Series. You know, I want to see the best player who's playing the best right now win the FedEx Cup. But that has not been the way it's gone. To be sitting exactly. in the uh, post position, if you will, has not bode well for uh, the past champions. So I don't know. Um, you know, DJ has certainly been the hottest player all year, I think, and is, sure. um, you know, in contention and probably the, the hands-on favorite to be player of the year. But I think it will be interesting to see. Um, East Lake is, of course, known where you have to putt. And that was something that helped Jordan last year. He loves the Bermuda Greens. Of course, Dustin now has this new uh, spider tailor-made putter, this prototype that he's done so well with the last couple of weeks. How do you think that's going to go for him? Well, the funny thing is, of the players in the top five, the only one who's really a strong putter is Jason Day. I mean, Dustin Johnson just figured it out. Patrick Reed, not traditionally the greatest putter. Rory McIlroy has struggled his whole career. I mean, yeah, he's pulled it together at different times, and that's saying a lot for a guy who's won dozens of tournaments. But, I mean, Paul Casey, not traditionally known for for that, more so for his ball striking. So you've kind of got Jordan Spieth and Jason Day lurking, as, you know, if this is going to come down to the flat stick and, and how you roll it on the greens, those would be the two guys that I would be looking for outside of, you know, your Dustin Johnson, your Patrick Reed, and your, I mean, Adam Scott, that's not a guy who traditionally putts well. I mean, we all know that. Uh, yes, and in fact, in 2006, when um, Scott led the field in total putting, he survived the tournament without a single three-putt. He made 65 of 70 from inside 10 feet. Well, we know it's a little bit different story for Adam since uh, he had to switch putters and the anchor ban. Uh, he's ranked 120th on tour in strokes gained putting. So I think this could be an issue. <laughs> could be very much so. I mean, he had that nice little stretch at the early part of the season, or I guess you could almost call it the mid part of the season now by this point when he won those two events in Florida. Um, and he's had some top tens, and he's played well over the last couple of months. So, I mean, that's why I was kind of saying it at the the start. You know, it's really – I think this is, it's kind of fun, though, too, because you don't really know who's who's going to pull it out. I mean, each and every day we're going to look at it and say, you know, well, is this, is this going to be the one who's going to be the front runner? So I think from a fan's perspective, that's also kind of exciting. Absolutely. Well, as we said, we have some very special guests in tonight in the studio, Pulse of Orlando. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of conversation still going on um, with uh, the three-month anniversary two weeks ago on the 12th. And we have Ali Benitez here, the board president of Pulse of Orlando. Ali, it's really great to have you in the studio. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys have been doing and um, how the families are holding up. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, the families, you know, I think everyone is just grieving on their own terms. Nobody really has a, a grieving the process down, you know what I mean? So it's difficult because everyone's going through it differently. But, um, you know, I think what's amazing is seeing our community not only join together when it happened, but remain joined. So I think that's, you know, just very encouraging. And, um, and you know, we at Pulse of Orlando started the foundation four days after the events. And um, since then we've raised almost 250000 and we've given out over 160,000 to survivors and victims' families. Yeah, and you really came together. You are a friend of Pulse owner, Barack Barbara Poma, and the uh, the goal of this 
this fund was to really help with those short-term needs. We you know, know that the One Orlando Fund, which was put together by Mayor Dyer in the city, uh, is you know, obviously looking at the long-term needs of these families because we know it's going to be uh, many years in terms of the healing process. But uh, you guys really stepped in as sort of the little engine they could, and uh, it's really been amazing, the different events. Uh, we were fortunate also to participate in, yeah. in your event a couple of weeks ago, and uh, just the turnout was amazing. Yeah, thank you. And we have to thank you so much for um, you know, promoting the, uh, the the Golf United event and having us be a part of that event. That was a very successful event. Yeah, you came out. You had teams. It was Thanks. it was incredible. I hope I hope it's an annual event in some way. We can raise money, if not for us, for some foundation or. But it was a fabulous event. So thank you for having us and including us. Well, you know, that's one of the things we love about our industry. Golf continues uh, to give back in so many different ways. So many charities around the country and, and tournaments that. Uh, you know, benefit so many um, needy and important causes. Uh, it was just a natural thing when a group of us came together here in Orlando. Uh, I was very happy to be part of that organizing committee along with uh, our team, um, Robert Scott from Grand Cypress. Will Perry, my right-hand man here. Uh, Mary Dees, formerly with Golf Week, and Paula Keys. We sound like a rock band, don't we? <laughs> and uh, Josh Broker. I, I play good air guitar. Uh, no doubt. Uh, but, you know, it was just a, a natural thing, a couple of phone calls made uh, amongst uh, friends, if you will, and we just knew this was something that we, we wanted to make happen and was uh, just, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest things I've been involved in in my 20 years in, in golf. So. And what an incredible turnout you all have. Oh, too. sold out, 148, and geez, the Golf Channel snuck in an extra team, too, <laughs> you know? Just like them, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. All right, you're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We have a great night of golf talk. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com coming up next. Stay with us. an impact, actually, uh, when he sent uh, three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. Struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Will Perry. We're on the eve of the Tour Championship, Will, at East Lake. Uh, just a terrific, historic course in Hotlanta, Georgia. It's going to be a warm one. It sure is. I'm curious about what the weather is going to be looking like and if that's going to affect uh, playing at all. And we're going to waste no time and go directly to one of our favorites, Bob Herrig, live from East Lake. Hey, Bob. Holly, how you doing? Doing well. How is the buzz up there? Um, what's what's happening on the eve of the Tour Championship? Well, it's actually a little bit subdued. Um, it's sort of always a a uh, a soft uh, you know opening into the Tour Championship. There's no pro am. Uh, no spectators are allowed on Tuesday. It's kind of a nice, quiet way for these guys to prepare. Uh, but obviously, once they tee off tomorrow, you know, there's a lot at stake. Uh, it's an $8.5 million tournament. 
and then you've got that bonus pool hanging out there for those top guys and uh and actually all the way down the list a lot of money being dispersed uh through one through thirty uh r- regardless of uh you know where you finish in the tournament where you finish in the points uh gets you a, a, a nice a nice little spending allowance or maybe better put uh money in in, in the retirement account and uh yes. <laughs> it's pretty incredible to think of uh you know what's what's on offer here it's uh it's very lucrative well top of mind i think is what is you know jason day's situation how's his back have you gotten any word he certainly had a couple weeks off here to rest up but um you know it it's sounding like it's it's been um you know a, a bit and you know, of of a nagging injury of late. Yeah, we talked to him today, and uh, you know, he said he only started practicing a couple days ago. He 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 withdrew during that final round of the BMW, and you know, he had nine holes to go basically, and pulled out of the tournament. He cost himself a lot of money, a lot of points. Um, so you know, it, it wasn't just some simple little thing. Uh, he's had back and disc issues in the past, and kind of what happened to him at the match play earlier this year. He says it occurs for things that aren't golf-related. And, uh, you know, he kind of had gotten a little a bit away from some of his preventative uh, exercise maintenance that he had been doing playing so much golf over the last few weeks, and it caught up to him. You know, he's he's got to be careful with it. And, you know, it it, it just sort of, you know, on the one hand, beware the, 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 you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the ill golfer. Um, uh, but on the other, you know, if he's tentative, if, if he gets in the rough and doesn't want to go at it, uh, no, he's gonna. And, and the rough is difficult this week at Eastlake. He's gonna have a hard time uh, contending, you know. And it's a shame because, uh, you know, Jason's had a really good year, uh, but hasn't really done that much since the Players Championship. You know, it's, it's he, he's just tapered off a little bit since he won the Players, which was obviously such a big win, and and then. Uh, uh, you know, not really doing much in the majors, although obviously he was second at the PJ Championship, had a good chance there, uh, but was kind of behind the whole day. You know, he could really cap a, cap the year here uh, with the win at this tournament, and obviously if he did so, he'd win the FedEx Cup as well. Who do you think is itching the most uh, to win this tournament? You think it's Jordan, given how his season has gone, and uh, maybe hoping he catches some you know, that magic from last year, and he is defending champ after all. I, I think he is a really good example of someone who's itching to win this week. I mean, I think a lot of guys are, but, you know, you just sort of point to his year, and he has to keep answering the question, why isn't this year as good as last year? And basically, he doesn't feel it's that much different. Obviously, he won five last year versus two this year, the fifth being the Tour Championship. Um, let the Masters get away when he won it last year. But, you know, he doesn't really feel he's that far removed. And uh, uh, I think he's really, really itching to win. It would be, obviously, it would put him in in a position to win the Tour Championship if the, if the guys in the top five don't win it. And, uh, you know, a third win, you know, I don't care what you say, three wins in a year in this day and age is a big deal. It just doesn't happen that often. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson's done it this year, uh, and, and so has uh, Jason Day. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's still a, quite the accomplishment, uh, in, you know, in, in when, you, when you take Tiger out of it. You know, just not that many guys have done it. And, 
it would be a real nice cap for him, and it will also give him a nice boost going to the Ryder Cup as well. I think I have a sentimental favorite sitting here in the top five, and that would be Paul Casey. Now, here's a guy who's you know, certainly been one of the hottest players coming through the, the playoffs. Uh, you know, 39 years old, uh, you know, has been through some ups and downs with his career. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a huge win? Well, not only that, but Paul Casey also provides us the annual PGA Tour doomsday scenario whereby if he were to have the right things happen, he could win the FedEx Cup without a without winning a tournament all year. Uh, if he finishes in a two, no worse than a two-way tie for second and the right guys don't win, including obviously the guys, other guys in the top five, he could win – the FedEx Cup, which is the season-long points race, $10 million bucks, and won't have won a tournament all year, which I happen to think doesn't have a real good look to it. But, hey, those are the rules, and, you know, he would have earned enough points to, to be on top after that reshuffle and uh, more power to him. But uh, I, I, the, the tour, I think, has been incredibly fortunate with the FedEx Cup. In the nine years that it's been played, seven times – the winner of the tour championship went, won the FedEx Cup, and that makes it real clean and easy. Um, the two other times it didn't happen, one was the year VJ won the FedEx Cup basically by hardly even having to show up, and they actually right. changed the rule. They changed the rules after that. Yep. You know, they, they, they made it so that couldn't happen. And then in 2009, um, you know, Phil won the tournament, and Tiger won the FedEx Cup. Which, to, you know, that was the best of both worlds in that case. But since that time, every tour championship winner has won the FedEx Cup. And I think that's pretty fortunate, actually. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. There could be two winners on the green on Sunday. and uh, But it sure is a lot cleaner when it's the same guy. And, you know, I've been saying we've probably <clears throat> talked about it every year. And I just wish there was a format whereby whoever wins this week wins the FedEx Cup. You know, give another bonus after the BMW or, or have a tournament winner and then have the top eight guys play for the top eight prizes in the FedEx the next day. Something to distinguish so we don't have to be worrying about the points. Because, you know, it, the thing fluctuates with every shot that's hit. It's very hard to follow. So um, in any case, though, Paul Casey would be a great story if he won. And I think it'd be a pretty darn good story if he didn't and still won the FedEx Cup. That was a scenario that you talked a little bit about last week as well. I mean, given, you know, let's say that that scenario does happen. I mean, we all kind of have our, our thoughts on, on what we might think, you know, how the tour should kind of run this thing or how it should come to its conclusion. What do you think the likelihood is of it prompting potentially another set of rule changes? I mean, you alluded to the VJ scenario back in the early beginnings. I remember when the guys would skip the first week, you know, uh, Tiger and Phil and, and VJ and Jim Furyk would all skip that week. I mean, those guys don't really do that, aren't, aren't able to do that now. If someone like Paul Casey wins, do you think that could um, potentially have them change the scenarios a bit again? I'm not sure that they would based just on that. I mean, they could they could make the argument that, hey, look, you know, he had won enough points during the regular season to position himself to be able to be in that uh, situation, and he took advantage of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, uh, you know, he just would have had the most points without winning a tournament. Um, I happen to think that's probably not the best look and the, not the best thing to have to explain. 
But, I mean, even to your example about skipping tournaments, last year Jordan missed the cut at the first two playoff events and still won the FedEx Cup. You know, I mean, is that right? Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a perfect system. And, you know, as we talked about, they've, been, they've always towed the line between trying to reward the guys who've had a good year and making sure that they're in a position to have a chance with having there be a playoff-type format atmosphere so that, you know, there can be some volatility in guys who have a good run these couple of weeks, like Billy Horschel two years ago. You know, he, he finished uh, second, first, and first and won the FedEx Cup. So, you know, and, and he just – he wasn't the best golfer of the year. He just happened to be the hottest golfer at the end of the year. And, look, you know, in team sports, how many times do we say that, you know, the Super Bowl champion might not have been the best team all year, but they won the Super Bowl. And we don't, we don't have a problem with that. So, um, uh, you know, it's just how it worked out. So, in any case, it's uh, – I mean, if you just wanted it to be about – who, who has the most points, um, then, you know, you, would, you, would, you wouldn't change it after the regular season and they would just keep adding on. And most likely the guys who were first, second, and third through the regular season would be in that position right about now. They would be, at least they would be close. So, um, you know, I, I think us talking about it is probably what they like more than worrying about if it's good or not. And how do you I think in terms of the the – the players, where do you think they fall in this conversation? I mean, clearly this has, you know, this whole series has become, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've bought into it. Uh, you know, it, it certainly the, the nerves are there. You can see it, and we're going to see it on Sunday. Um, how do you feel the players overall like the format? Well, I think they love the big money tournaments and having a FedEx Cup champion. I don't think they're all in agreement on how you get there. I mean, Jordan is of the Jordan Spieth made the point like last year, if he or Jason Day didn't win the FedEx Cup, you know, that is not really indicative of who had the best year. Um, you know, one of those it just so happened that Jordan did, and he. He, he finished off a great year by winning this tournament. He won the FedEx Cup, and there's no arguments. And Jason Day had won five tournaments, and if he'd have won a sixth, including a major, he, there wouldn't have been any argument there. But, uh, you know, if a guy who had won one tournament, and this has happened a few times, and then wins the Tour Championship and wins the FedEx Cup, uh, is the FedEx champion, that doesn't have the same feel. I mean, the, the guy who wins the first three playoff events could finish second at the Tour Championship and not win the FedEx Cup the way they have it designed. And I think Jordan and some guys are more of the feeling that, you know, it should be more of a reward for the whole season. But then, of course, it's like we were just talking about, you lose that playoff volatility and excitement. In theory, everybody who comes here has a chance to win the FedEx Cup. The 30th guy in points, who happens to be Charles Schwartzel, if he wins the tournament and the right things happen, granted, a lot of things would have to happen. He could win the FedEx Cup. I mean, I, I think there's something to that. I think that's good in a way. It's sort of like, you know, all 64 teams in the NCAA basketball t- tournament, in theory, have a chance to win the national championship. Uh, but a lot has to happen for that to occur. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be some changes when a new schedule comes out in two years. You know, they're in the, they're in the process of having to renew FedEx. 
whether they're on board or not, or, you know, whether there's three tournaments or four. Um, I think those things might impact how this goes and if there's any tweaks to it. Well, now it's the time to ask you that big question, Bob. Who, who are you picking on Sunday? I went with Jordan for those reasons we talked about earlier. I just think, uh, you know, he's got the resolve. You know, he last year he came here and really studied the golf course and really put in the work. He was here, you know, he went to Hazeltine for the Ryder Cup thing Sunday, Monday, got here Tuesday working hard on his game. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, he's given himself every chance now again. And he loves playing Bermuda greens. He grew up on them, he said, and uh, he feels really comfortable on them. So it's going to be it's going to be uh, fun to watch on Sunday. Thank you, as always. Bob Herrick, check him out all the rest of this week and weekend on ESPN.com. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, you're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9. We've got more golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. If we could just make We're back, the Golf Insiders. Taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Will Perry. So, uh, Will, we've got our Grand Cypress contest queued up again. I would like to win that foursome. I like playing out there, but I don't think we're eligible. You don't think so? No. Um, so, spill the beans. Tell our listeners. So two weeks ago, we ran that awesome contest, got a lot of participation in that, and so we're going to run that contest again Friday through the weekend. So um, over the weekend, Golf Insiders fans, go to the Facebook page. Make sure you tag all of your friends uh, that you'd like to play in a a group of four with, and uh, look out for that on Facebook at the Golf Insiders. We'll be giving away one round to play at Grand Cypress. Um, and that'll be, you can play in the entire month of October, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, an awesome chance to get out at one of, one of Orlando's really best golf courses and best resorts. They've got three awesome, well, three, three awesome nines and an additional 18 that are, are really, um, a great challenge. Even some of the, I think it's the East is that thing's a bear. So you guys will enjoy that. It used to be the, the uh, home course for the LPGA a season ender um, back in the day. A lot of golf happening around uh, around the area, too. The National Women's Golf Association is going to have their celebrity scramble on Saturday, October 1st. Uh, that's going to be at Black Bear Golf Club, benefiting the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation. And on Sunday, October 2nd, the NWG Pro-Am, there'll be, uh, you get the chance to play 18 holes with f- future stars of the LPGA. Brooke Henderson, as you know, who is a hot rookie out on the LPGA Tour this season, was the winner at Black Bear in 2015. So you want more information, you want to play in this great event, you can check out uh, Black Bear 
com, or you can call to register, 352-357-4732. Black Bear Golf Club, the National Women's Golf Association. Basically, the, one of the mini tours here uh, in the state for the LPGA Tour. We're going to waste no more time because we want to talk a little bit about the LPGA Tour and what happened at the Evian Championship over in France with uh, one of our top insiders, Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. Hey, Steve. How are you, Holly? Well, I know uh, you're doing double duty because you're wrapping up the LPGA major coverage as well as uh, getting ready for the Tour Championship there at Eastlake. Been out at Eastlake all week already, and uh, I have to tell you, Holly, it is as good as I have ever seen it, and I have seen it since day one. Uh, it, it is, it's actually as hard as I've ever seen it, too. So it reminds me of uh, 98 when Hal Sutton won and, uh, and shot six under for the week, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the highest rounds that's ever been posted out there. So rough is gnarly, but it is perfect otherwise. Well, N.G. Chung uh, posted a 69 on Sunday for uh, 21 under par to win by four strokes uh, at the LPGA Evian Championship. A pretty poor showing by the U.S. players. Uh, Jarena Pillar, who I know we were both kind of rooting for last week, finished in a tide for ninth. So, you know, not a bad showing, but a lot of players that we thought uh, might have had a better shot at this major uh, not not having a very good tournament, including uh, Arya Jutanyagarn as well as Lydia Ko. Yeah, Lydia has been a little bit of a surprise, although I'll tell you, I, I have been concerned uh, for most of the summer with her driving statistics uh, because she is not hitting very many fairways and she's actually getting shorter. So, uh, you know, I don't know who said short and crooked is no way to go through life, but uh, but I guess I said it now. So it's uh, it's one of those things where she needs to get uh, – she needs to not only get the, the driver straightened out, uh, she needs to go back and gain that couple of extra yards that she seems to have lost. Well, there's still plenty on the line uh, for the 26th. 2016 season for the LPGA. We know we've got the CME Race to the Globe, which will be happening uh, in November here in Naples. But uh, a lot going on for that Player of the Year competition. Yeah, there really is. I mean, I thought that uh, that the the Annika Award had, would be sewn had been sewn up um, really after the you know the the the, um, the KPMG because you had. You had Lydia, who had a, a win and a second. And I thought, well, it won't get any better than that. Well, then Aria comes in and plays as well as she did in the latter half of the year. And so, uh, you know, she uh, made it close right to the very end. But Lydia did end up walking away with the award from having such a good uh, good major championship record. But you're right. You still have player of the year and a lot of things that, uh, given the spring and early summer that um, that Lydia had, we thought would be would be locked down by now, and they're not. And so it's going to be a fun race to watch as the as the tour heads over to Asia. Absolutely. So, all right, you're a, a guy that lives in Atlanta. You've had the opportunity to play East Lake, I'm sure, a number of times. Give our listeners a little sense of this golf course and what we're going to be seeing over the next few days. Wonderful, classic, old golf course. Got some rolling hills. Um, you know, I, I know that Reese Jones has gone in and redone the golf course, but, but it still looks, it still looks very much like the old Donald Ross that was out there, uh, in the beginning at the turn of the last century when, when, uh, you know, when Bobby Jones was a child learning to play golf out there. 
So, yeah, a lot of those holes remain the same. You've got uh, great stands of trees. You've got um, a, a lot of very, very narrow driving areas, and, and that's going to be the key this week. The person who drives it the best uh, is likely to win this thing because you cannot play from the rough on this golf course. Only 30 players in the mix. Does the tournament have uh, you know, a, a, a greater sense of intensity with the, you know, coming down to the to the eve of the tournament? You know, historically not, because it is such a small field. It's got, it, it has a much, a much more relaxed feel than you would expect, given everything that's on the line. Now, by Sunday, that won't be the case. You know, there will be a heck of a lot of intensity and a lot of crowds and a lot of noise and, and, uh, and a lot of great things going on. But in the beginning, at least, uh, you know, people are like, wow, isn't this a, isn't this a wonderful small little golf tournament that we can go out and watch? And that's got, it's got kind of a homey feel to it. The golf course lends itself to that because it's all contained. It's not very spread out. You can see a lot of holes from one viewing area. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a fun event to go watch. Who do you see outside the top five that you think we should keep our eyes on? Is there, you know, I mean, Phil's sitting in the top uh, 15. Uh, Snedeker, who's won before. Matt Kuchar's hanging in there. Do you see somebody that uh, might come from, you know, outside the the pack? If, if there is someone, I would have to go with Sned. I mean, he's putting as well as he ever has, and, and really he did that in anticipation of the Ryder Cup, um, but I think this can be an added benefit of his preparation to go to Hazeltine. Uh, he loves the golf course. He's, he's obviously played it well in the past, and, uh, and, and as, as I say, he drives it straight and he puts it well. I don't know what else you need. All right, well, this is when we ask the big tough question. Uh, who are you picking on Sunday, Steve? Dustin Johnson, he's driving it better than I've ever seen. I mean, just he may be driving it better than anyone ever has. And uh, hitting that little baby fade out there, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yep, and he's got the complete game right now between his wedge game and this new putter uh, because I think putting on these greens is going to uh, be the key as well. So I think Dustin's going to be hard to beat. We will be watching. Thank you so much, Steve Eubanks, Global Golf Post. Check him out. We love you. You're listening to Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so we're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Will Perry. We're going to waste no more time and go straight to East Lake, into the media center, and talk to Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel, back from hey a week off. Hey, Todd, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. So uh, you're well-rested, along with, um, I think, Jason Day. <laughs> uh, what's going on up there, my friend? Oh, well, obviously there's a lot of money on the line. There's you think? A, uh, FedEx Cup trophy on the line. Oh, yeah, $10 million. And you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the higher you finish in the FedEx Cup standings, you'll get a larger bonus payout. Like if you finish fourth, you're getting millions of dollars. 
uh, in the FedEx Cup standings if he finished fourth is what I'm saying. So there's a lot of money out there besides that $10 million is going to the guy who wins the FedEx Cup. It could give you a lot of uh... – a lot of breathing room coming into the next uh, next year's season. That's for sure. No doubt. I, you know, it's interesting, too, over the years. I mean, look, they make so much money out here. It's just stupid. Uh, but a lot of these great players, and you look at these top five players, I'm talking about Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Adam Scott, these guys who have won major championships. I mean, winning the FedEx Cup is now a big deal. I mean, it has grown and emerged into something that is quite an accomplishment and something that these players want on that resume. Yes, and it's, but it's interesting juxtaposed to the Ryder Cup, which will be, you know, uh, turning to the week after. And I want to talk to you about that in a minute. But, you know, there's an event where it's, it's all about, uh, you know, winning for your country, and there's, there's no paycheck at the end of, of that competition. Right, and it's and to be honest with you, it's an interesting two weeks for these guys. I mean, this is the biggest money grab event of the year on the PGA Tour season in the FedEx Cup. When you're all you're all about yourself, you're playing for yourself, uh, and then next week you have to shift mentalities and play not only for your country, uh, but you also have to play for your teammates, your friends who are right there beside you, and you don't want to let them down as well. So these are two very intense weeks that you're going to have to be mentally prepared for. I talked to Brad Snedeker today. He's on the U.S. team, and I said, is it going to be difficult to tee it up at the Tour Championship this week and not think about the Ryder Cup that's right around the corner? He said, yeah, it's going to be hard because, you know, Monday I was up at Hazeltine seeing the golf course. You know, we're already in kind of a Ryder Cup mode. Now we got to switch gears back here to the Tour Championship, and once we get in a groove there, then we got to switch back to Ryder Cup mode. So it will be tough mentally for these guys who are competing in the Tour Championship not and only, the Ryder Cup. Yeah, not only that, but uh, the fact that uh, the 12th man, the final team member, will be revealed Sunday night during halftime of uh, the Chicago Bears-Dallas Cowboys game. So, uh, again, more drama building for who uh, is Davis Love going to pick. Your thoughts? I think right now, as of Wednesday night, Bubba Watson is the leading candidate. Uh, now, obviously, that could change with what happens Thursday through Sunday. I mean, Bubba would have to shoot, in my opinion, over par all four days to not be a pick. Uh, so I, I, unless something majorly bad happens in regards to his game over the next four days, I think Bubba Watson will be picked. Now, today players came out, especially, again, I'll go back to Brant Snedeker. Brant Snedeker in his press conference today with fire and emotion, if you Go on GolfChannel.com. Go on our app and GolfChannel. I'm sure they have this press conference and this sound. But Brent passionately said, Bubba Watson is a great teammate, period. He's positive. Uh, he's uplifting. Um, and he said, I would love to have him on my team. Um, so if, there, if there's speculation, and there has been actually some speculation that Bubba's not a great teammate, Brent was trying to, to smother that fire immediately today. So I think Bubba will be the pick. It'd be hard to leave the number seven player in the world off your U.S. team. So fast-forwarding a little bit to the Ryder Cup, I mean, what do you think the U.S.'s chances are? They haven't had the, the best track record of late. They have maybe one of the better teams that they've fielded in a little while. What are your thoughts heading into uh, Hazel team from the U.S. Well, side? if you look on paper, the U.S. team is favored. Uh, they do have, in my opinion, from a world-ranking perspective, a perspective is not opinion, it's a fact, they have a higher-ranked team than the, the Europeans. The Europeans are, are bringing six Ryder Cup rookies 
to Minnesota. However, the United States hasn't won six of the last seven. Uh, they haven't won eight of the last ten. Um, you're going with a bunch of guys who, who have been scarred by losing. You have developed a task force for the United States. So they're, they're, that itself puts a little bit of pressure on, on your team. That, oh, hey, we've established a task force now. It's not quite relaxed. And I think, to be honest, with you going to Minnesota, there's more pressure being the home team because you haven't won in so long, and, you know, you finally want to get it done. So there are a lot of intangibles. I don't think there is a clear favorite. Like I said, on paper, the United States team, yes. But they have been favored in the past. Europe has won. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be quite a show, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and, and for, for Davis, uh, given the fact that he, you know, captained the, the team in Chicago, uh, certainly some pressure on his shoulders as well. Uh, you know, how, I, I think for for Davis, there's, there's a lot of on the line here for him. Well, I think that, to be honest with you, because he is so beloved, he really is, by the guys who were on that 2012 Medina team, they feel like they let him down. Um, and they want to win it for Davis, to be honest with you. And I think that's going to be a big storyline next week. Let's win it for the captain. We let him down at Medina when the Europeans came back and rallied. And, and look, you give Europe all the credit in the world. Their backs were up against the wall, and they came out swinging. But I think that Davis is going to be a bit of a rallying cry in the team room. And, again, because he's so well-liked. Now, look, you go back to Tom Watson, he wasn't as well-liked at Glen Eagles, but Davis is not only well-liked, he's loved by many of those players in that team room. But I think he's going to be an inspiration for, for those players to play well. Yeah, and still playing and competing with a lot of them. Um, I noticed uh, Lee Westwood firing out a few shots. We've, we've got the uh, <laughs> mind game starting uh, to cook up. Nothing like and it I in think, the Ryder Cup, you know, Todd? Well, yeah, and I think it was intentional, and that's great. I think it brings some some heat to the Ryder Cup. You know, it, I mean, this is a rivalry. This is something that Europe is proud of, what they've been able to do over the last decade or so, uh, actually two decades. And, uh, you know, and maybe Lee understands as a veteran who's been in these wars in the Ryder Cup that his team on paper, like I mentioned, not that strong a team. Try to get into your opponent's head in a kind of a respectful way, which, you know, he, if you read those comments, he was. But at the same time, kind of shake the trees a little bit and see what happens. All right. Well, now's the time when we got to ask you that big question, Todd, with just 30 seconds to go. Who is going to be your pick on Sunday? On this Sunday for the Tour Championship? Yes. Uh, let me just say that the last three winners of the, of the Tour Championship have all been top five players. I'm really looking for Adam Scott to win. He's won the Tour Championship before. He liked this golf course, and he's in great position. Ooh, that's an interesting pick, thought Lewis. You think uh, you think that flat stick's gonna uh, be magical at East Lake for Adam? Uh, I I think he I think he's gonna I think he really wants to do it. That'll be his third win, by the way. He could be in the conversation if indeed it does happen. He could be in the conversation for Player of the Year. But I think Adam will cap off what's been a really nice season by winning the the Tour Championship in the FedEx Cup. All right, well it's gonna be a great week and weekend for golf. Check out. Uh, the Golf Channel for all their extended coverage. Todd Lewis, thank you so much. Will Perry, minutes to go. Who's right. your pick? I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson for a guy inside the top five, and then I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth as the guy outside of the top five. All right. I'm in agreement with you on Jordan Spieth. Uh, I'm going for Paul Casey. I knew you were going to do that. I'm going for Paul Casey. I know I, you I, like I, the underdog. I want the uh, underdog. I, I just would like to see him win.
So it's going to be a great week weekend at uh, Atlanta, and then we're on to the Ryder Cup at Hazeltine next week. The Golf Insiders will be back.